Welcome to Ride Underground. You found us. This is a place where we hear from instigators who are changing the world with disruptive and emerging technologies. I'm your host, Tom Snyder, Executive Director of Riot, and welcome to the program. Could not be more excited today than to have Tim Humphrey in the virtual studio with us. Welcome, Tim. Thank you, Tom. I'm glad to be here. Looking forward to the discussion. Yeah, looking forward to it as well. Tim, you, you wear a lot of hats uh, at IBM. You're from Raleigh, born and raised in the area. You've worked at Lenovo and some other organizations, but currently you're the vice president of the chief data office. You are the executive for the state of North Carolina for IBM, and you're the site uh, lead for the RTP, a senior executive as well. That's a lot to balance. <laughs> it is, it is, but it's uh, all challenging and all very fun. Um, so every day I enjoy the missions, uh, responsibilities that I have and the opportunities it affords me to connect with people inside IBM, outside of IBM, people like you, et cetera. So uh, I, I love it. Super. So I want to hear a little bit about that journey, but before we begin, we do like to give our audience a bit of a visual of who they're talking to. And this is your opportunity to give them whatever visual you would like them to have. But, but we'd like to ask our guests, if you could cast yourself in your biopic, who would you want to play Tim you know, on Netflix? <laughs> well, that's a great question. It would probably be a very boring movie probably wouldn't get much uh, Rotten Tomatoes ranking, but uh, I am a movie buff. Um, I love movies and I have a couple of favorite actors. And for those that know me well, my authenticity statement is I'm a goofy engineer who cares about people. So with that being said, I'm going to blend two of my favorite actors together to play me in my movie. And those two actors would be Denzel Washington and Will Ferrell. <laughs> I love so, it. If you could blend those two together, uh, they would definitely play me. I love the uh, uh, Denzel's ability to portray serious uh, roles. I love his intensity. And then I love Will Ferrell's uh, sense of humor and, you know, some of the things he's done through the years that are, are, are very comedic and funny. So if I could put those two things together, there, you'd have the perfect actor to play me. That's fantastic. You know, I never really thought about who would play Riot if we were to, you know, to uh, cast that in human form. But uh, that, that kind of combination resonates a lot with us in terms of being very purposeful, very mission-driven, wanting to get a lot done, but to have a ton of fun along the way. So uh, fantastic. Uh, thanks again for joining us. So you're from this area, educated at NC State, have worked in Research Triangle for a long time. You've seen a lot of change. What of what you've seen along the journey could you have predicted and, and what not? Maybe, maybe talk about why you started down the path you went and, and how much did that path vary from what you thought it would be? Right. Well, I grew up in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and then came up here to go to NC State in Raleigh and uh, ended up working for IBM and never left the area. And I can tell you, I, I, <laughs> I have seen this area grow so much. When I was a kid, I can remember coming up to Raleigh and really not being much past Glenwood Avenue. You know, the area wasn't as developed as it is now. I'd have never thought the area would be such a great place to live. So many people moving here every day. So I, I would have never thought that. I'm very glad that it did happen. <laughs> I think it's great, especially for the tech sector. You know, the original vision of the Research Triangle Park was a great vision to bring together industry and academia um, and really 
create a hub for uh, innovation. And, you know, we've launched several great companies, several great tech leaders have come from this area. Uh, and I think that's something that we have to be very, very proud of in this region. So I didn't see that coming, but I'm glad it's here. <laughs> and I've, planned to, I've taken full advantage of it. And I plan to keep taking full uh, advantage of it. So that's my thoughts around you know, what I didn't see coming. I'll tell you what, one thing that I, I always did see coming when I was a little child, seven years old, I wrote, a, I wrote a poem that won a poetry contest about computers. And I talked about computers being everywhere and computers being able to fit in your pocket and the value that computers would bring to uh, our society. And when I go back and read that poem, it did prove out to be true. Now, I'm not trying to say I was some type of prodigy, uh, quite the opposite. <laughs> but, you know, I do believe in technological advances primarily because at our core as people, I think we're innovators. And we're always going to keep pushing the envelope and looking for more progress and more ways to impact the world. That's great. One of the things that I think is really interesting about this area in particular is, you know, not only did your poem come true and there's computers everywhere, but we're really moving from the computer age to the data age. And if you look at the triangle, two of the greatest data companies of all time in, in SaaS and IBM, both run their data operations and their IoT operations and so on right here. And when you think about computers, often people think about Silicon Valley or they think about Austin, Texas or whatever. But, but when you think about data and that, that's where the world's going, arguably this is the capital of data. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I like that term capital of data. I might have to steal it from you. Sure. <laughs> um, look, I, I'm, you know, I've, been, I've been with IBM off and on for 25 years and I've seen how valuable data has become to our world. And over the years, I've seen how many different insights that you can draw from data to help do things like make decisions, to drive business results, to plan, et cetera. And I think that's a phenomenal journey if you think about it. You know, our former CEO used to always say uh, data is the new natural resource. And I think that is a great way to think about the ability to really make things better. And uh, that's the way, that's one of the reasons why I love working in the data office, because uh, I get to work across the company, helping to deliver the data and insights that all aspects of IBM's business needs uh, to be able to serve our clients better, to be able to reduce costs, to be able to drive additional revenue, to be able to make things move quicker. The outcomes that you can drive once you have a good data strategy and once you start moving up the ladder to analytics, to artificial intelligence, the number of outcomes you can drive are astonishing. And it's just exciting. It's a, um, a fun field to be in. And like you said, in this area, we have so many great skills coming out of our universities, coming out of our community colleges to draw from. You know, there's computer scientists, there's data scientists, and we have a lot in our backyard. And fortunately, we have this, um, but as an industry, you know, there's a shortage of these types of skills. So we're in a, we're, I think we're in a great place to be, like you said, the capital of data. I love it. Yeah, it's fantastic. To that connection to people, we also agree that at the end of the day, people are what, what matters. And there, there are people that are afraid of, you know, the automation and the other things that these technologies are creating and how they're changing the world and they're changing jobs. 
Um, in particular, we see this uh, oftentimes in, in smaller communities and more rural areas. You work with a statewide responsibility here in North Carolina. How do you see IBM contributing to unlocking that potential of people uh, participating in this economy outside of Research Triangle? Yeah, yeah. Um, let me uh, let me go back to what you first said around, uh, I'll call it the fear factor when it comes to data and uh, analytics and, and, and automation. I, I do believe that uh, you can't ignore it. <laughs> Change is hard for everybody. And the era we're in now is one of uh, massive change. You know, the thought of relying on data and computing to do modeling to give you an answer versus whatever you just thought of based on your own experiences and knowledge is a huge hurdle for people. And I, I understand it and I get it. So that's number one. I do think there's a fear factor. Um, but I think once you get past that fear factor as uh, companies, as nonprofits, as government entities, et cetera, even as people, you will find that you can make better decisions working with data than trying to just force data out of your purview. So I always like to talk about that. I think it's a fun topic. Whenever I'm asked about, you know, what's the important, most important success to a transformational effort with data at the center, I, say, I always say it's people. Now, when, when you talk about locally here in the state, I, I think we have the opportunity to you know, really start educating at a very early age uh, our students in North Carolina about STEM and I think that will serve as a key foundational base to helping take people from situations where they may be economically challenged, give them opportunities to learn about STEM. After they've gotten that opportunities to learn about STEM, give them real opportunities and real jobs. And these are jobs that we need to fill from an IBM perspective, from every company's perspective. Everybody will tell you there's a war for talent. Um, so if we can start educating people in STEM fields and getting them excited about um, STEM, then you know we can really start to uh, make a change in the economy. I always say STEM should end up being a very sexy career choice, um, especially for uh, underrepresented minorities. If you think about going the path of having a career in STEM, it opens up generational wealth opportunities for you and on top of that, it's achievable. Now, I'm, I'm witness. You know, when I was a little kid, I, I thought I was going to play for the Lakers. <laughs> I, I wasn't that good. I, it, was, it was never a possibility. It was never a reality. Thank goodness I had the opportunity to uh, go into engineering and study engineering and, and come to work at a company like IBM. How do you see technology and maybe even this, this world that we're in now with COVID of everything being virtual, do, do you see that as a positive in helping people to see the role models like you? What, one of the big arguments about why the tech sector has, has struggled so much with diversity is, is that lack of role models that inspire uh, people, particularly, again, in these smaller communities. Will technology disrupt that where we can see these role models no matter where we live? Yeah, yeah. Look, great point. You can't be what you can't see. You know, growing up, most of my childhood, the thought of being an engineer was not even a, it wasn't a concept yeah. uh, uh, that I had until I really had to thank a high school guidance counselor for pushing me down that path because I, I had no clue what an engineer would do. And, and like you said, my, my choices were things that I could see. So, you know, some of those were great choices, like uh, being an educator. 
you know, being in the military, I grew up in Fayetteville, uh, right next to Fort Bragg, doing things like being a barber, et cetera, all, all great career choices. But engineering wasn't in my line of sight because there weren't any role models for me to look at. And, and I do think that that's important. And you said, is there a silver lining of the pandemic? <laughs> look, I'm a people person. I, I hate not being able to see people every day. Um, you know, working from home has been tough. Um, but I do think that people are now embracing more virtual technologies. Everything doesn't have to be face-to-face, which lets you be in more places at once. You don't have to travel everywhere to be able to get your message out. Uh, more people coming to programming like what you're putting on here uh, with Riot does make it such that you can get role models out there. And look, I never thought of myself as a role model, uh, but if I can serve as an inspiration to any young person that is considering what they might be able to do with their uh, with their life and with their career, I feel it's a privilege to be able to sit in this position. So I do think that's been one silver lining. And I do think uh, some of the technologies we have available does allow us to be more visible. And I think that's a good thing. So hopefully it can start, we can start to sort of shift the pendulum from no role models to people seeing the role models and then um, actually becoming the next generation of leaders in tech. Yeah, I appreciate that. And that, one of the things that I'm excited about is that I feel like the on-ramps are shortening as well, where I 100% agree that we want to inspire that next generation and young people to think about this early. There's an awful lot of mid-career folks that realize, you know, a 12-week code camp can get me into a dramatically different place in the world, a different job at a different salary level. And so you don't have to be young to participate. <laughs> you know, that, that's so true. And when you think about technology, the one thing I can always tell people, I, look, I'm, I can't predict the future. If I did, I would predict these uh, upcoming lottery numbers. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I can't predict it will be different and there will be some aspect that you didn't see coming. Technology is changing at a rapid pace, right? I, I, I think about the amount of storage that I thought was big when I first came into the computing industry and what I think of is big storage now. Uh, there's more storage on my phone than the computers I used to support when I was in uh, technical support. So technology is changing. And like you said, for people mid-career, it's a great opportunity to be able to take advantage of a fast changing market. It's about skills. And if things change quickly, you have the opportunity to go learn about those changes and then make yourself marketable by learning learning those things and doing those things, like you said, a 12-week coding camp, a cybersecurity education at a community college, and then you're instantly marketable, right? So um, uh, we love that. One other point I'd like to just tell you about one of the programs I'm proud of we have at IBM is, you know, you think of college interns and internships. We like to think of a concept called returnships. <laughs> so mid-career people, uh, maybe women that maybe had to take a break to uh, uh, raise a family and technology changes, uh, you know, maybe they knew one programming language and now, you know, there's a new programming language where we can bring them in, help them learn help them uh, learn the new, the new skills that they need to, to have to be successful in this economy and um, you know, bring them along just like an intern would, but more for a gear towards a professional. 
And we've seen that program. It's been very huge. And I, I think anybody that embraces this, I'm going to be in a continual learning mindset can do well. And to your point, whether it's starting your career or mid-career, continual learning is so key. So people are at the top of the pyramid, but there is a lot of technology that, that underlies things. And to your point, technology is changing all the time. I would argue that COVID has, has put the fast forward button down on technology adoption in a lot of, of ways. We've been forced to do things that we haven't before that probably would have happened anyway as markets evolve, but, but things are moving quickly. Uh, the North Carolina Technology Association, our, our good friends at NC Tech, uh, recently gave you the distinction as Tech Executive of the Year in perhaps the toughest year uh, of many of our careers. So you're seeing some things and, and obviously doing some good work in tech. What are some things looking forward that you're really excited about in the tech space? Oh, gosh. <laughs> How much time do we have? Very <laughs> <laughs> first, uh, you mentioned something. Uh, uh, let, me, let me acknowledge that. I am very uh, excited, thrilled, happy, humbled, you name it, to be the tech exec of the year for North Carolina. That was a huge honor and something that uh, I'm so proud of. And I think it's a testament to the people that I've had the opportunity to work with. Um, so I just do want to say that first. But I'll tell you, when you talk about looking forward uh, into the crystal ball, I am so excited about the potential for quantum computing. So I'll pick, I'll pick quantum computing to start. I think the ability to solve problems. Look, as engineers, I always say that's fundamentally what that's what you are, a problem solver. Quantum computing is going to give us the ability to solve problems that we never thought before were solvable. So I'm excited about that, not just for tech, but for the world, right? The ability to do good, ability to potentially take on things like uh, cancer and, and, and things of that nature, man, that's, that's life-changing. That's game-changing for anybody who's watched a loved one or a friend go through those battles. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. I'm, I'm also excited that we are working to drive the knowledge necessary to be successful in quantum computing back into our students. We're working with uh, historically black colleges and universities uh, specifically to help get uh, underrepresented minorities educated in quantum computing. I think it's great. I always say one of the things we need to do a better job is in our uh, university institutions is staying current and thinking ahead. This gives the opportunity to do that and also help a population of people that may not necessarily get to those key topics that are going to be uh, very, very critical in the future. So I love that one. Um, the other topic that I'm excited about uh, being in technology area is edge computing. And I think the concept, is, it's like evolving IoT, and I know you're an IoT expert, but it's like evolving IoT to actually have the ability to compute out and distribute it. And uh, I think that unlocks Talk about a connected world. Talk about a smart world where everything around you has smarts. I think that that enables that. It takes it to the next level. And as a data guy, I think about the potential that you can have insights real time that don't have to go back to uh, compute capabilities in the cloud, um, be it public or private, and actually get that real time. I, I think I think that's phenomenal. So I'm also very, very excited about edge computing. I think about what things like my Fitbit is going to be like in 10 years <laughs> and the types of insights I'm going to get from that. Just 
makes me like childlike when I think about it. So I'll stop because I know we don't have a ton of time, but I could go on forever. <laughs> no, that's wonderful. And I, I promise that uh, to our listeners, this wasn't planned in advance, but uh, depending on when you're listening to this, go ahead and register for our upcoming Edge event uh, that's happening real soon or go to our YouTube channel and, and watch the recording. But it, you know, we totally agree. There's amazing opportunities as you move towards the edge. And so the question I have for you then, and obviously you can't reveal anything confidential, but you know, IBM once upon a time was an acronym for physical hardware and machines, business machines, and, and IBM largely is more of a, uh, an intelligence and analytics company today, but hand in hand with edge computing is, is edge data and, and data is created at hardware. You know, IBM has made really strategic moves like buying the weather company to own all the hardware that collects that data that's useful in so many industries. You know, do we see a swing back towards the hardware side for IBM going forward to, to be able to own the source of some of this data? Well, look, I think um, and one of the things a lot of people don't know, I, I, I don't have my Z pin that I typically wear, but uh, yeah, we still do a significant amount of business uh, that's hardware based. And like you said, we have had some uh, divestitures. I'm most product of divesting the PC company. I worked for Lenovo for six years. Great company right here uh, in the area. You know, we've uh, uh, divested some of our uh, low-end server business, but we still have uh, storage, our mainframe solutions, our power solutions. Uh, interesting fact, about nine out of 10 credit card transactions end up touching IBM hardware. <laughs> so you swipe your card 10 yeah. times. There's only going to be one time it doesn't touch IBM hardware. And so, that's... Sorry to cut you off, but you want to talk about edge compute. You want an instantaneous understanding of if a credit card transaction is authentic or not, right? That's a great, a great use case. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I think um, we will continuously transform. That's one thing you say about our company. We've been around over 100 years. Um, so we'll continuously transform. Our, our goal is to help our clients. You know, we want to be essential to the world and to our clients. And things, like you said, are moving towards uh, hybrid cloud. Uh, also to how do you drive value from data and AI? And that's where we want to be. And, uh, you know, there is a hardware component to it. And uh, look, we will always do what is right to continue to be able to quickly be essential for our clients on those journeys. So, you know, we're still there. You just don't see us because we don't have the PC in front of you that, that you see every day, but we're still there uh, behind the scenes uh, with hardware and have a very thriving mainframe and storage business. Fantastic. Now, kind of outside IBM, I understand you do a fair amount of mentoring and uh, kind of advising to both individuals and nonprofits and others. If you were speaking now, and we have a platform for that, to you know, young people out there that are thinking about their future or to folks that are mid-career and trying to decide should they make a change, what advice would you have right now and how to explore new opportunities, and then actually to, to start to get engaged in this new data economy? Yeah. Um, uh, number one, I would, I would, if somebody's thinking about coming into this world, I would tell them, reach out, find people to talk to, understand their experiences, what they've liked, what's good and bad, things that they would have done differently. <laughs> um, you know, that's number one. Look, I've, I have no shame in that uh, my career journey, I've always borrowed the brilliance of others, and, and I love to get people's advice. So I, I think that's number one, because if, if everybody's being honest, there's things we would have all done differently. I don't care how successful you are. Um, uh, I think about myself. I, I spent six years doing hardware, electrical engineering, four PCs. 
And I, I think about what my career has been like after that. It's been so much software, so much data, things of that nature. Um, I, I wish I'd have done a little bit more on math. I wish I'd have done a little bit more on computer science, things of that nature to go to go with my engineering degree. Um, so number one, I'd say borrow the brilliance of others. You know, number two, think about what excites you and what motivates you. And I think there's a place for it in almost every aspect of technology, right? If you are excited by healthcare, man, <laughs> then, you know, the needs that are coming along in healthcare for technology, for, I mean, think about it this year, you know, before this year, people would say, I'm not virtually visiting a doctor this year. People, everybody's going to the doctor virtually, right? So there, there's something for you there. Uh, we talked about edge computing and, um, what that's going to bring for healthcare. Think about the type of information that you're going to have. So I say find your passion within technology in terms of how you're applying um, technology to a, a particular field. And there's probably something there for you. And then um, last, but, last but not least, I guess my third piece of advice would be be curious. The person that's curious, the person that is uh, never intellectually satisfied is a person that's going to do well because things are going to change. And, you know, I, I think about, I came in some working on desktop computers. When's the last time most people have seen a desktop computer? So if I wasn't intellectually curious and willing to change, then my career would have probably been uh, over very quickly. But you keep that curiosity and, you know, you can learn things as they change. And um, I think change is good. Don't be scared of it. Fantastic words. Great themes. I'm hearing keep people at the front that at the end of the day is what, what matters the most. You know, be open to change and willing to realize the world around us is changing. Technology is staring at you want to be a part of that. You yourself also have to be open to that change. But this isn't a journey that you take alone. Collaborate. Even if that collaboration gets to the point of having to morph two famous actors into <laughs> a new role to play you going forward. So Denzel uh, Farrell. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thanks so much, Tim, for, for being on the program today. We've really enjoyed hearing from you. Is there a way that if people want to learn more about you or about what your office is doing at IBM, uh, that they can reach out and, and find more information? Absolutely. Um, feel free to contact me. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is uh, at Timothy Humphrey, and I'm Timothy Humphrey on, on LinkedIn as well. So really look forward to um, connecting with your audience. And I really enjoyed this discussion. Like I said earlier, we could probably talk for hours. <laughs> um, but no, thanks for uh, having me on the show. And thank you for uh, you know serving our community here uh, locally. I think uh, what you're doing with Riot Underground is uh, fantastic. Thanks again. You're invited back anytime. We'll be sure to, to have you back and, and maybe in the studio next time. Uh, fingers All right. That. All right. I look forward to a face-to-face. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Thanks a lot, Tim. All right. Take care. Hi, y'all. Caroline Griffin here. Dropping in to say thanks for listening. And if you have any questions for Riot, send me a note. You may reach me at caroline at riot.org. This Riot Underground podcast is created and produced by Riot Studios with music by Scott Jackson. Riot is a nonprofit focused on economic development through the Internet of Things or IoT. We produce events, conferences, and educational courses around the world. And we run an early stage startup accelerator out of Riot Labs in Raleigh, North Carolina. 
Our nonprofit also operates a wireless test and certification facility under the Wireless Research Center brand. Learn how to engage by visiting us at riot.org.